0: to this week's VFX show. I'm Mike Seymour and we are going where Wolverine has only gone before. Logan, the third of the uh, standalone Wolverine uh, films um, and possibly a contentious show if the pre-show tweeting is to be believed here at the VFX show at FX Guide. I'm joined in the red corner. Maybe it's the blue corner. I'm not quite sure which corner it is. (laughs) By Matt Wallen, how are you, Matt?
1: Um, I'm really good. It's it's always the blue corner uh, where I am.
0: Okay, and in the green corner is Jason Diamond. <laughs> uh,
2: I'm, I'm in, in my rainbow corner. I welcome all right. colors.
0: Well, yes, Love. and it's International Women's Day, I believe, as we're recording this. At least it is in my country. So um, I'm sorry not to have women on the show this week, but that's uh, more a reflection of um, how hard it is to uh, have gender equality in the visual effects industry than it is any kind of sexist policy from FX Guide, I promise. Well, America
2: um, is in the past and in
0: more ways than one. Okay. Not from you. Um, so, as Johnny Cash said, um, <laughs> I will let you down, I will make you hurt. Um, I guess we need to go around the room. So, I'm going to start by saying I thought this was magnificent. I thought it was really, really good film. Loved it to death. Um, just kind of sick of a bit tired and worn out myself of sort of New York being destroyed and... Um, and or the whole world, so I just enjoyed seeing a film where I didn't feel like we just had to sit through um, destruction porn. As as good as a destruction sim is, I just didn't need to see another ton of buildings being uh, ripped in half and collapsing on each other. Okay, that's me. I'm a full-on um, fave fan, full thumbs up. Jason Diamond, where do you sit? Uh, I loved the movie.
2: I liked it in all its forms. Uh, I saw it in Dolby vision, uh, with rumble nice. seats and all, uh, in 2d. Thank God. And, yep. uh, I really dug it all the way through. I mean, super violent, uh, which I'm kind of okay with. I think they may be in a little too many curses just cause they could. It just didn't really add much, but I, it doesn't bother me. Uh, I thought the little girl was amazing. Uh, Just terrific. It's very hard to act. Uh, Interestingly, though, you know, connected to like Stranger Things, Eleven doesn't say much. And in this one, this girl doesn't say much either, yet both of them give pretty strong performances. Uh, This girl, Laura, you know, when she screams and just like tears people up, it's pretty great. Uh, I mean, it speaks to all the stuff that Wolverine does. Uh, the Professor X stuff with his spells, you know, his his brain spells was pretty amazing. I liked it overall. I mean, I, I kind of thought at the end, spoiler alert, everyone should turn it off if you haven't seen uh, Wolverine yet. But when he fights himself and kills himself, it was very sort of, it was like Hugh Jackman basically to the very screen. Up, well, he it, was yeah. saying what I'm pretty sure everyone reported him saying, like what... Uh, Harrison Ford said about Episode Seven, like, "I'll do it, but the character has to die because I'm not going to do another one."
0: Yes, yes. Well, I, I think it was great, I actually, think Patrick Stewart was marvelous in this. Yeah, He's such a good actor. Um, but all right, let's now go back to the blue corner, Matt. <laughs> I mean, it was okay. I don't know. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I just didn't. I, I just. I. I thought it was just okay. Like, I thought it was. I thought it was maybe like, I don't know, twenty to. Forty minutes too long. Uh,
0: Good lord, man! What I didn't. I you. don't.
1: I don't know if like I. I didn't really care about any of the characters in the story. I just do not
0: care about them. Like this is the one film that you can care about them. In every other film, you know the superhero is not going to die, right? In every other film, you know, anyone that gets stabbed gets brought back to get by some kind of wrinkle in the fabric of the space-time continuum. Like no one, they all end up where they started. But in this film, something actually happened. Someone was actually in jeopardy. Somebody could actually die. Wolverine was actually vulnerable. He wasn't, you know, Keanu Reeves in The Matrix where what do I care because nothing can touch him. He was it's not superman he is vulnerable he is the returning i I guess i
1: you know all i can say is i guess it's that that character like it's just not a it's it's sort of marvel's batman right wolverine or something i don't know like it's just i'm not i i don't know it doesn't do anything for me it wasn't it's it's I mean it was entertaining like i liked some of the crazy uh you know, extreme violence that the movie had, I guess it was kind of fun. But it was I, I, my, my take on it was that, um, you know, I sort of felt like it was Deadpool, like with no sense of humor. Oh, come I, on. Was, I
0: think it was better than Deadpool. <laughs> so Hugh Jackman conceived of this film as a three-way mix between Unforgiven, The Wrestler and Shane, the 1953. Uh, so let me ask you this, Matt. Oh, Do wrestler, you like any good. of those three films?
1: yeah i like the. i thought i thought the wrestler was pretty great wait un, and unforgiven unforgiven. Yeah, unforgiven is is all right and uh
0: shame unforgiven is all Shane's right pretty good. clean eastwood's masterpiece just yeah. all right yeah well i'm sorry yeah. i'm sorry the unforgiven's like Picasso. this guernica thing's just not doing it for me i mean i guess it's all right
2: but you know the unforgiven <laughs> is like the old josie wales
0: yeah, yeah, Unforgiven uh, is like Best Picture winner, nineteen ninety three Oscars. Thanks for playing. Uh,
2: yeah. I thought it was. I yeah. thought it was mostly Shane. <laughs> I mean, given yeah. given the reference in the movie and the dialogue that the Laura says at the end, it felt yeah. mostly mm-hmm. Shane to me. But
0: okay, well, leaving leaving Matt out of it for the rest of the <laughs> podcast, Jason. <laughs> when um <laughs> when the cross, the crucifix, is put on the uh, grave and then leaned over. Didn't oh, you just like, just so
1: corny?
0: Just, <laughs> oh my God. I it thought was it like was like tearing up. Man. I
2: liked it, but also in my head, while that scene was happening, that when she was turned, walked back and turned it over, all I could think of was the screen. Did Mangold write this also? I, for, I forgot to look at the screenwriter.
0: Uh, he definitely contributed. Yeah, but um, but he, the, the screenwriter, gets...
2: whoever wrote that or came up with that was like really happy with themselves. Was like, oh, wait. Yes. You know, like when they wrote that, they were like jumping around the room like, It's an X Yes. Like it was <laughs> you, He wrote it. I could with, sort of see it, the James I could sort of see the excitement or, of the of the screenwriter in that at that moment.
0: Okay. <laughs> he, he wrote it, or as his visual effects supervisor likes to call him Jim, wrote it with uh Scott Frank and uh Michael Green. Right. So, um yes.
2: Uh, but and, I liked uh, it. I mean it fit the It fit the zone. What I was more thinking afterwards was they're clearly going to Canada. Are they going to become the beginnings of Alpha Flight? Because Alpha Flight was Marvel's Canadian X-Men.
0: Really, That's what you're thinking about?
2: At the end, when they were going to Canada, that's what I thought. Like, okay, I I mean, I I don't think Marvel's going to do an Alpha Flight movie, but that's what I thought was assuming...
0: I don't want to be... Yeah, I don't want to be overly political on this show, but did it not just strike you as extraordinary how much this felt like it was making references to Trump, even though, you know, a year ago when they were doing it, he wasn't the president?
2: Well, but I mean, sure, immigration's always been a huge issue. And and, uh, in this country, regardless, the rhetoric was still being jacked up. So it's probably worked its way in there. But yeah, I mean, certainly using Mexicans and then making them go to Canada you know is at the end
0: and the wall yeah and the whole idea of yeah i don't know it just seemed to me that it was uh and i'm fine i'm fine with that let's not forget we didn't actually think that the (coughs) president would be the president we didn't think he was going to win it certainly like a year or two ago when they're writing this it didn't seem like a likely proposition
2: yeah but i mean there's lots of you know plenty of movies have have i mean even escape from new york has a wall around manhattan and that was in the
0: 80s true yeah, but, but now you're talking about Shakespearean excellence. Yes. So, you know, it's not really fair to compare. Um, okay, so, uh, so <laughs> let's... so the, Okay, again, I'll, I'll let Matt join the conversation, but is there anything in the actual story that we thought um, was a huge plot hole or issue before we move on to the visual effects? Was there anything that you thought was a nice touch in terms of the, uh, the plot? Because I'm going to hit the visual effects pretty hard in a sec.
2: Matt, I'm sure you have plenty that didn't work
1: oh in the story
0: yeah.
1: uh <laughs> um
0: yeah I don't, Would we like no, to discuss I, the story before we get to the visual effects oh yeah i guess i
1: i just it felt really uh like pretty formulaic like i didn't i don't know that there was a whole lot of big surprises or reveals or anything i don't know i just i i i, I I was I I was excited to go see this one. I thought, oh, I've, I've heard it's really great, and uh, people are saying it's really good, and people are saying it's one of the best, you know, sort of comic book superhero style movies in a long time. And yeah, I don't know. I just I I don't even really know where to put it. I I think one of the things I did like was I liked the um, what's his name Stephen Merchant. Yeah, Taliban. I, I thought he was well. Good. He's
0: he is yeah. good he is good in everything he does that guy just cracks yeah. me i've seen him live as a stand-up and he's just yeah. hysterical
1: he was good i thought the kid was good but i think it was really interesting too to use a kid in that way and like that it was smart well i think what you were saying jason right it was smart that she essentially doesn't speak from a lot of the movie too so i thought that oh that's a cool workaround when you're working with a kid you know um to not have the kid speak although in that regard too i mean she was she was really good she had a lot of uh presence charisma or whatever on screen and stuff oh yeah yeah i don't know i i plot holes like it's you know i don't know yeah like what who who are these who are these guys like why why are i just? kept wondering why are they trying so hard to get all these kids back like he's got what he wants you know like why is he still want all these kids like i don't know it just seemed But well, what does he I, it, what, it didn't what that did wasn't he clear that he to me. wanted the, the boy, well, he's got his like he's got his like super bad, like uh, X-24. soldier guy, uh, his his bad Hugh Jackman.
0: Well, because they <laughs> they went wrong, right? Like, he makes god, I'd have to believe <laughs> this. he makes all the kids thinking that they're gonna <laughs> be the solution, the warriors, and they won't fight. And so then he hits a completely different tact, right? And he figures yeah. he's gonna get rid of these kids that they've made because they didn't work, and the experiment's an embarrassment. And they escape. And so now we've got a bunch of mutants and he's meant to be controlling mutants, not repopulating the countryside with them. So they want them back and they don't do what they want. So they want them destroyed and they want to move on. So the fact they've got the X-24 is not the point. The point is that they don't want the kids out there and if they are not doing what's being asked of them, not following the company line, then they're a problem for the company and they need to be got rid of. Um, and guess, as far as he's concerned, they're, they're just like living just alone leaked. out
1: in the woods and stuff. It's like, it didn't well, seem but I mean, like they were okay, but causing clearly, any trouble.
0: <laughs> well, they could breed, they could, you know, there's a whole lot of things they could do. Like, have, you know, started, well, it's also, they, in theory, they've culled out the mutants, right? So you sort of introduce a whole lot more back into the Well, landscape. it also
2: goes back to the, I think it goes back to the undercurrent of the whole immigration thing. And they're not wanted regardless. They're not wanted yeah. in the country or in the to exist regardless, so they're going to have to.
0: I mean, since when is intolerance needed? Logic.
1: Well, yeah, okay. I guess I, I just didn't. I wasn't clear on. I don't. I don't know a lot of the lore of the, of the the X Men, so I wasn't really clear on like. You know, I mean, it's the, a
0: metaphor for the civil rights movement.
1: Well, no, no, I understand. I understand that, but I didn't understand like what had happened in the story of the world, like. Like okay, it's so now, 20, 20, 20, now this is brilliant. Like,
0: this is where I think it's great that they didn't explain all that, right? Like they hmm. didn't go have somebody come on and be Mister Exposition and say, you know, Xavier does this, then this is going to happen, and this is really bad because remember what happened when blah blah blah, and then just give the audience it all on it. Like the audience was treated intelligently. Like you understood that something bad had happened. You understood there had been an incident with Xavier. You understood that he had these kind of fits. But you didn't have to have somebody spell it all out because that really was just kind of, you know, we were clever enough to put the pieces together and it'd be, um, you know, like what we didn't get, we couldn't know as it were, didn't matter. Mm-hmm. We knew all the things we needed to know to justify the behavior of the characters. Like the I film. like
2: that they got the help from the, from the family at the farm and then that family gets killed. You're like, well... Probably if that, what was happening was happening, that's the end result. They wouldn't be like, you know, he says, we really shouldn't be here. And Xavier's like, no, we should, we need to be here. You need to feel this vibe. And he's like, I don't know. And then really it's Xavier's fault that the family's killed in a larger sense. Right. Cause he asked them to stay there. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, but I like later when he's dying and he says, I remember what I did and it, they don't say it but what he did is he killed all the mutants uh through i think using cerebro at some point he had like a uh i forget the specifics but that's why he can't he sort of blocked it oh
1: that's why he says what a, what have
2: i done he he he's the one who killed all the mutants if i have
0: my comic book lore correct but even if he didn't even if you didn't know what was going on in the comics, you knew there was an yeah. incident. Yeah, right? I mean he did something that bad. was bad, and there weren't many mutants left. Yeah, and then he was tortured, and that was. And I don't. Know, I just thought Patrick Stewart did such a good job as this kind of like you really adored him, and by the same token, he could see that he was dangerous. Yeah, you know, it's that it's that thing when somebody says to you that's elderly, oh, I can do this, I can do this, I do this, and they are an adult and they are older than you, and so in a sense, you want to go, oh, okay, sure but then they completely can't judge their own capabilities and then they fall and have a break a hip or whatever it is that they do. And it's, you know, it's like this horrendous thing that you have to treat someone that's older and elderly, sometimes, not always obviously, sometimes as somebody that doesn't have the right to all the adult decisions that they should have because they'll hurt themselves, right? They'll, They'll hurt others. You know, for example, somebody really elderly wants to drive. It's like, look, I know that you used to drive really well. I know, but you just, I can't, you know, you're... Your reflexes aren't good enough, and it's horrible to treat them that way because it's like you're being a, a like parental Ages. to them. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. But by the same token, if they go and have an accident, this is you yeah. know absolutely horrendous, and there was no way they would well, want that.
2: Much, much like it seems that all of our recordings seem to parallel my life in some capacity. Like the last one we did, the uh monster calls. This one is exact. I had just finished dealing with exactly what you're talking about. My wife's grandmother came to visit us around Thanksgiving and fell and broke her hip at the airport when she landed and she and she right. stayed with us in New York until about a couple of weeks ago two weeks ago when she finally went back to Florida and same everything you said we just dealt with I don't think you should drive anymore yeah, I, it, you need an aid to help you, you need, yeah. no I don't need any of that stuff you know and it's it's exactly that it's not uh you know you want someone to be an adult she's almost 90 she's earned the right to be whoever she wants to be but she also can't do those things anymore so you have it's like yeah yeah, it's not fun to tell an adult they can't do something that they used to be able to do
0: and yet that isn't the one note of his character right xavier has loads of dimensions this is kind of grandfatherly affection to laura there's Deep parental connection with Logan, a desperate desire to have a better world, um, and a kind of deeper understanding—it seems—of some of the issues of what will make for a better world. So like, oh, I thought Patrick Stewart was just—I mean, I just friggin' adore that guy. I, yeah, and I think in having seen interviews now with um, Hugh Jackman with him, I think Hugh Jackman is really respectful of him as an actor, as Patrick oh, sure. Stewart and i think there's like a, a lot of genuine um friendship between those two like it's not i've seen about 10 interviews with the two of them and some of them are quite lengthy and when they're goofing off of course you can't tell anything but you know you know when you just get that kind of the way that somebody will cut somebody slack and be let them finish a point and just do things it's just yeah i think it's great okay so let's say that we move away now from the acting and the which i think is superb and the story which i really like and the movie which is good and discuss the visual effects. So, Matt, are we allowed to get your... um, Oh, give it to me. Where do we think the visual effects lay in the pantheon of uh, seamless and uh, good or bad? Uh,
1: I think that it's a mixed bag. I mean, I think the... um, I'll be honest, I had no idea that there was so much digital human work uh, in this movie until afterwards. And so that was uh, kind of you know, eye-poppingly interesting to me that I was, um, in, in contrast to our conversation regarding some of the digital um, uh, actors, the sort of the good and bad of uh, Tarkin, let's say, and, and uh, in Rogue One, I was, I was really impressed uh, sort of not knowing how much uh, digital human work was in this, in the film, and then reading about it after the fact and being surprised that, like, I don't know that I noticed it. You know, which was I thought really really interesting. I mean, and How much, so like what it, it still, kind of
2: what were um, sorry to interrupt. What were some of the digital human work that you didn't know that
1: surprised you? Like what specific shots or or scenes? I guess I, I guess I just didn't know that they'd done a digital right. human. Like it, I didn't I didn't realize that even at first. I didn't realize that the whatever the x23 or whatever it was uh 24 i didn't realize that it was hugh jackman right or that it was supposed to be like hugh jackman that they were the same like i thought it was a guy who just had like the same haircut and like you know the same like mutton chops or whatever um i didn't realize that it was actually you know him like and but then there were i guess a lot of shots that I, i i I mean, I'm reading about this after the fact, so I but I didn't wasn't taken out of the film ever. There's even shots of the Hugh Jackman uh, Wolverine character, the Logan character, that are digital Logan, right? And there's shots of the girl that are digital. Like, well, so things. That let me give you some background facts. Realize.
0: There's so Image Engine led that work, um, and uh, we've talked to Martin. Um, it's in a FX Guide story, and so there was uh, about 299 shots that Image Engine did. Of those, there were 63 head replacements in 51 shots because there are quite a lot of shots where there is no Hugh Jackman on screen, but you see two people that you would say are Hugh Jackman running around on the screen at the same time. In both cases, they're um, stunt people that have got digital heads or digital doubles. Yeah. And okay. the story on FX Guide discusses the role of um, Eddie Davenport and Daniel Stevens are the two main guys that were his um, double because I think that the story of doing a digital face is kind of known like the, you know, how you would use a light stage to get um, a scan of someone's skin and you would do fax expressions to build a rig. I feel like that was a story that was told. The one we told on FX Guide was what happens to the stunt guys. Like once you've got the digital head, how do you make it actually work in the shot? And the example we gave, if you guys haven't read the story, is, um, you know, in um, in the forest at the end when Logan is running having just got the injection of the um, go-fast juice and um, <laughs> he literally just running through the forest and the camera's tracking with him and he kills a bunch of guys and then launches at the end and impales a guy. Okay, that shot was called Logan's Run. And so in that shot you've got a guy on a motorbike filming the run And it starts on Hugh Jackman and it moves to Eddie uh, and it moves to another plate of Eddie. So that's already three. And at the end it moves to a fourth plate and there's no Logan whatsoever and it's fully a digital character from from toe to head that actually does the impaling. Um, It had intended to be the fourth character was was Hugh Jackman again but he was filmed on wires and it just looked like his gravity weight point was his hips, which it was... And so they just took him out completely and went for the clean plate solution of putting a full digital double in. So in a shot like that, you see Hugh Jackman at the very beginning start running. Everything after that is either head replacement or or body. And as the point I make in the article, it isn't just head or face. It's not like what we call hockey mask replacement. It's full head and neck because um, as the article goes into, there's a lot of complexity in making that cell, and it's basically around not tracking the uh, stunt guy's head and not just sticking a perfect copy of Hugh Jackman's head on the body. And I'll leave the story to explain all the nuances of that. Um, But there's all of that, the fight sequence obviously with X24 and then on top of that there's tonnes of stuff uh, with Laura that is digital double work. So she was doubled by um, Marissa and Risa, I think her name, the two uh, uh, stunt doubles that covered for her. And uh, so there's face replacement on her fight at the very beginning at the compound. Not the very beginning, you know, at the, when uh, she first comes to Wolverine's compound. So that's not her. That's um, stunt people that have got their faces replaced. And then the one that I thought was really stunning—it's not a face replacement. But did you guys notice that when they went to the casino, that that was there was no Laura, the actress that played Laura, I should say. There was none of her actually in the casino at all. Full stop. Because the, when they turned up at the casino, the casino said our gambling licence doesn't allow us to have people underage in. Really? And so um, uh, Keane, who's the actress who plays Laura, wasn't allowed at That's all insane. in the casino. So, um, sh- yep, Charmaine, yeah. who's a, an 18-year-old, I think she is, Anyway, played the 11-year-old walking into the casino and it's either face replacement on her, body double because it's a shot from the back or green screen of um, the actual actress that played Laura then composited into the casino. So, for example, you know, she like stops and looks at the hat yeah. that um, and the the outfit that they all get. Mm-hmm. Yeah, all of that's green screen. Um, none of that's um, for real, which I thought was like really oh, yeah. good work. I mean, I just yeah. totally didn't pick that.
1: I wouldn't have known that if you... But what's said. crazy about that is like yeah. you're, you're
2: blo- it's not an active casino because you're shooting. Like there has to be some provision in the law that when it becomes a set that it's like like, you know how much money –
0: nope. <laughs> like, all I'd the rather right pay the fine. Yep, they had all the right <laughs> permits. No, 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 no. Because they don't – you're not – if you're Fox, you're not wanting to break the law and put, put a minor in a casino. Well, no, I know. I law, wasn't right? saying that to break be, the
2: law. I was saying you would think there would be some provisional, like, like, location agreement or something that you could get around with the – with the gambling commission or something (laughs) like you'd rather pay like a $40,000 location fee extra than all the money and time it's going to take to shoot that shit with green screen. And like,
0: do you know what? The production thought the same thing, (laughs) but
2: I know I'm not saying, obviously I'm sure they tried. I mean, logic would dictate, but it's just crazy. Uh, Oh my God.
0: And here's something that I think is really fun. The, the visual effects of that compositing green screen, and let's face it, like the, between the three of us, right, we should be able to pick a green screen. Um, that wasn't even done by one of the major houses like uh, Rising Sun or Image Engine that worked on it. That was three guys, I think were guys, who were working directly for Chaz, the visual effects supervisor. He set up his own team to, you know, do those little shots that come up. And as that came up, he gave that. So they're just three guys that were working in this kind of in-house unit who knocked out 300 shots, including all that green screen. Wow. I think it's they did 300 work. shots? So yeah.
2: That's... Yep. Geez. Three guys. Wow. Amazing. I know. Yeah. Respect. And solid work. I mean, nothing... Um, I mean, you would never know, as Matt said, like, no idea.
0: Now, the, the face stuff, as some, I say, was imaging. There are you're some uh, yeah.
1: green screen shots... That, that are pretty bad though which are the ones where they're driving uh, the classic car window shots there's so many bad which shots car? driving in the car like which one uh, well, I guess it's the probably not the limo I think in the limo, the limo. no I think there were I think there were some in the limo and then when they're driving in the um, what's what are the cars they drive they pickup drive a truck. limo they
0: drive a they, they drive, drive like a pickup kind of thing like a um like a 4 driving kind car, of thing, yeah. um, which is a jeep that they, when she gets when she puts him and he's passed out, yeah, and he drives her into town to the doctor, and then they yeah, swap from a, that. Uh, there's an uh, the
1: old timey jeep, and then there's like a newer, and then one,
0: there's a pickup there. at the um, at the casino. They get like a, because yeah. remember they put uh, the wheelchair yeah. in the back, and
1: yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, there there were several shots like driving on the highway that I thought were uh, that were pretty tough. They just didn't they. I mean, it's the classic issue of, like, you know, the the interior uh, movement and the exterior movement, like, kind of don't quite jive together in a right way. And then, you know, there were some that were better when the the focus was um, – had a really shallow depth of field inside the vehicle. I thought those were a little bit stronger just because all the stuff outside – went so soft, you know, and so, and, and as did like the, um, the, the window frame in the car, right. Cause it was, I mean, it was really shallow depth of field. And so those were a much more forgiving, but the ones where they had a longer focal length, um, I don't know, it just, they, they just didn't, they didn't look good. They looked, uh, they had the classic problem. They just didn't sit well, uh, in the scene. And it, I think a lot of them were, uh, in the if memory serves i think a lot of them were like you know nighttime sort of moonlight driving if i'm not mistaken um there might have been some in the day too but yeah and those were those were rough i mean they were just they would look like stuff out of like you know terminator 2 uh
0: driving in the car uh at night um (laughs) i don't know speaking of the casino did you guys work out how they did the um the blast, you know, the psychic psychonic, whatever it is, blast um, that Xavier uh, radiates. I love that. You're gonna love how, if friends. you don't know how they did it, you're going to love Jason. I mean, I you mean,
2: were- I'm assuming everyone was just standing still.
0: Okay, yeah, I mean, but I mean...
2: Because they were shaking. Not- the, oh, you mean the effect? Yeah. Uh, I mean, I don't know exactly how they did it, but there was a, uh, I mean, obviously tons of chromatic aberration and all that kind of standard, you know temporal blur kind of stuff
0: they got most of it in camera was it a
2: shaky lens
0: well no no what they did and you're just going to love this so they got an easy rig right in fact maybe you can explain an easy rig i tried describing it the other day and i was hopeless at it but like it's an arm off a backpack that comes over your head that has a wire down that hold you want to explain it because if somebody's listening yeah easy easy rig rig
2: is a easy rig is is a is a is a like you said it's like it looks like a backpack um, or a steady Steadicam vest. You know, it's a vest that supports, puts all the weight on your hips, and there's a pole that goes down, the, a flat pole that goes down your back with a, with like a uh, kind of squishy bellows on it to give it some, some flexibility. And then it just comes up and then straight over your head like an R, you know. And then you can get different length arms uh, for something to come farther out or closer to you, and then there's a tensioned, uh, string in there that clips onto your camera, and it takes the weight of your camera um, at varying tensions, so you can have it take all the weight or a little bit of the weight, so you can either hold the camera at waist level and operate it w- while that's taking all the weight, or you can put it on your shoulder and operate a little more. But you're not you're not literally shouldering or holding the weight; it's all going into your hips and your shoulder in your back.
0: Okay, so I imagine they've got that on. Yep. And they put the Alexa Mini on there at the front. Mm-hmm. And then Chaz himself stands there and shakes the crap out of the camera. Okay. So now you're on a wider, slightly wider lens than you want. They shake the crap out of it. And then they go into post and they just stabilize it. All right. And they completely stabilize it so that From the middle, theoretically the image the doesn't out, move. Right? Yeah. Well, it's, it's, yeah. But the trouble is, of course, the motion blur has been captured in the frame. Uh. So even though the frame doesn't move, there's suddenly blur, no blur, blur, no blur. Uh, which gives you 90% of the effect that they were after. And then they did a bit of extra stuff with some, as you said, some chromatic stuff around the edges. They blew it up, of course, to cover the the problem of, you know, when you stabilize stuff, you get bits of black right. otherwise coming in. And then um, the only exception to that is Xavier because Xavier, they wanted to look like it was radiating from his head. And so they had to actually do a bit of trickery there to get him looking like he's not moving in the middle. Right. And then it's radiating out. But apart from that, everybody else... Is, um, is sort of pretty much standing still and it's just shake That's the awesome. camera and then stabilize it. Yeah. Which I thought was just such a neat trick. I mean, anyone could do that, right? In a student film.
2: Yeah. yeah. More importantly, really cool. I want to see the footage, the BTS footage of them doing that and Hugh Jackman just, like, screaming as he's, like, you know, nothing's happening to him, <laughs> as he's just walking through the scene and some idiot, you know, I won't say idiot, but, you know, some lunatic shaking the camera. Just <laughs> like, that would be the like, visual effects supervisor. No, I know, that's why that's why I was uh, changed my language, because I, I know it's uh, – J.J. Abrams has the same thing, apparently. Him and his first AD or his first AC, one of them, apparently when he does shaky cam he grabs the mag on the camera, but only he can do it. He shakes it exactly the way he wants it shook. Uh, So, uh, so yeah, but I mean, like it would be amazing to just see the VFX supervisor, like grabbing the camera and just shaking it and the dude operating it just like
0: trying to
2: find the frame.
0: So I'm talking to you about this, right? And I'm saying, you know, how did it go? And I started to ask him, oh, did you open up the shutter? Because we're going to geek out here for a second, guys, and this is a bit of a rat hole from the RC days. So obviously on Saving saving Private Ryan, they went to a really low shutter, which of course means that you have to stop it up to get more light in. But the point is that everything looks really gritty because there's no motion blur. So I said, oh, did you go the other way? Did you go to a 360-degree shutter? Or did you stay at 180 or 172, whatever you have to do for 24 frames a second? And um, he was like, no, no, we tried looking at, at 360 degrees, but what we decided we really wanted was moments when it wasn't. In fact, I kind of worked out because he did a test himself before he went on set with his own camera. He's like, I figured you wanted about a third or a quarter of the image when you're watching it to, to be sharps because you want sharps on Hugh's eyes because otherwise you don't know where to look in the frame. If the whole frame's kind of right. blurry as an audience, you just kind of detach from it. So only about a third or maybe a quarter of the time, you just need total sharps. And it just popped into my head as I say that I was like, "Hang on a second, you're going up a hallway with somebody shaking the camera on an easy rig, and you want sharps on their eyes? Like, who the <laughs> hell was, who the hell Who's was the focus first pulling?" AC. Yeah. And he goes, "There's this guy Trevor Loomis. I've never and heard of him, but he said, and I'm quoting now, right? Let me just read this out. Trevor is the best focus puller in the world, bar none. He did it. He's a bona fide genius. I've never come across anyone that can pull focus like he can."
2: All <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, I bet. So. So and, he you're probably, a really and he probably complicated wasn't film, using a monitor either because you couldn't. Well, yeah, because,
0: no. So you're because he focus
2: could. just by eye from direct, By from eye, distance.
0: while someone's shaking the camera, while it's hanging on a wire in front of somebody that's standing walking backwards up a hallway. Yeah, <laughs> I coming. <mean, laughs> can you imagine like, you're like, okay, now we don't want to do too many takes of this because it's really, you know, quite, you've got to concentrate really hard and it's like, you know, blah, blah, blah. So let's not, you know, screw it yeah, up. Make sure it's in
2: focus, Trevor. Yeah.
0: And the, and, and the fact that the one thing they really wanted was a third of the time that, that it would happen to be that you could see what the hell was going on, it would be sharps on his eyes. It's like, bloody hell. They did say they put a 20K outside the window to get enough light in there so they didn't have to have a really shallow depth of field in the shots.
2: Oh, I'm sure, um, yeah.
0: But Yeah, that's the well, thing
2: is you could see <laughs> through everything.
0: It was like, uh, yeah. Anyway, so... Um, and then I think uh, Rising Sun took over after that and did some more stuff on top to, as I say, solve the problem of... Um, Xavier and also solve just some nice cool bits around the edges to make it. I um, think
1: that's funky. that's really cool. Like I, I I like that story. Like it's so interesting doing stuff like that in camera with you yeah. know, a digital camera. And so is that? Would you guys say that is that easy rig kind of like um, sort of like a um, a low a low end low budget kind of version no. of a a Steadicam no, rig? It's, no, no, because
2: it's no, it's meant for a completely different purpose. It's not meant to. It's, it's meant to take the weight of the camera off the operator. So, yes, at uh, times. Off their arms. It's off their, their back. arms. Yeah. So, like, nice. we've used it on commercials where I've had my DP do it and have it sort of float in front of him. And he's uh-huh. moving really slow and he's, like, B-cam on, a, on an interview super close in someone's face and he can get – really close and float it because he it's almost like it's floating in front of him from the string and he's just guiding it uh-huh. if he moved any faster than that it, his shoulders and his hips would introduce wobble in the string so
1: you I can see. So only still have specific. this kind of verite style
2: yeah so so yes you can't walk with it necessarily any better than you can walk with it uh on your shoulder because it's, when you walk but the you can walk for a lot longer are,
0: but you can yeah you can walk for a lot longer right because it's taking yeah. half the weight
2: but it doesn't yeah. look like so. a
1: smooth steady or gimbal shot
0: no but well, it's you can kind of yeah, get pictures, somewhere in the
1: middle just I, I was just looking at pictures online of it, it just because i hadn't seen one or actually I, yeah i didn't know that i'd seen one before but i've seen images of these before but there's images of guys using one with a free fly rig as well yeah, yeah that
0: was very popular because the rig was giving you terrific <clears throat> kind of turning stability but the mm-hmm. trouble was your arms would just die holding the bugger and yeah, so yeah. a lot of people started it with easy rigs because it would take a lot of the weight and then you could still use your hands for guiding it but you just wouldn't gotcha. fatigue so quite so quickly so
2: then i mean I had, used a one and, I had a shoot yesterday to... um here in la where we were using what's called a ready rig which is the same sort of vesty Backpack kind of thing, but instead of one pole up the middle, you have one pole coming up each shoulder, right? Out in front of you, like Ant-Man kind of, like the bad guy in Ant-Man. And then you have clips that come off of that that attach to the movie on either side of it. So now you're actually supporting it from both sides of your shoulders. Uh in a in for for gimbals, I think it's much better because you're getting both sides. You're not you're not hanging from the middle, so now it's hanging from yeah. where your hands go, and then your hands go underneath it. Because we had the Movi Pro, so it had a ring. But I had a dude hanging out of a minivan at 30 miles an hour, driving through the Malibu Hills. So, like, you know, that guy's not going to muscle the. He can't muscle the the rig and aim it. Yeah. So okay, you know,
0: but here's the other thing that I think is really cool. That's um, one of you just mentioned a minute ago. I want to loop back on is they did this in camera and committed. Right. Yeah. And I was talking to him about this, and I was like, because, you know, I was expecting him at some point to say, we shot it both ways in case, you know, they didn't like it. Uh, and apparently, um, Jim, as the director's name, um, was like, totally. And this is like the first shot of day one, sort of, you know, first day of the shoot, is that hallway in the casino where they're oh, doing wow. this effect, right? And, and he just committed. Like they just said, no, no, that's what we're going to do. Because if you try shooting everything both ways, you're going to get the right performance in one of the other two takes and it's never going to be right. And so um, he just trusted the visual effects supervisor and they just bit the bullet and went for it. And so there was no B plan. Like if they got back to post and they just hated it in post, they just didn't have a clean plate of of Wolverine going up that hallway cool. um, to to work with. Though, Here's another interesting thing. Like when they were trying to do it on day one, stage one, and, I, and this is going to sound like I'm being mean but I, it's not, but like the visual effect supervisor was totally understood what was going on, but almost nobody else did right, actually. And they kind of explained it and they had it, but they still kind of hadn't got the, I guess, the logic of the effect. It was They knew how they were going to do it, but like what is the internal logic inside the movie? And so if you watch the first time they did it, which is not the first time you see it in the film, it's it, you see it, previously um, back at the, uh, yeah, at
1: the, the sort of silo thing. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Um, Wolverine is leaning into the effect a lot because when they first did it on day one, the stunt guys rigged up a wire for him to lean against it because they kind of imagined this being not the visual effects crew now but everybody else, right. that it would be some kind of traditional you know, shockwave thing that you've seen in every other visual effects movie. And so that he would have to, like, walk against it like you're walking against the current. Right. Which is why he's leaning in and he uses wire Y-rig to allow that. And it's also why he sticks his claws in the wall to move forward. Mm -hmm. But then after they were done doing that bit in the hallway, Chad's got a chance to kind of explain it a lot more to everybody and Hugh and everybody and they kind of realised that maybe they didn't quite need to do that and they kept on going. Now, of course, by the time they got to doing the stuff that we see at the beginning of the film they'd shown them the shots because they'd run them and they'd, you know, fixed right. them and everything. And they just understood much better what was actually needed to make it look cool. But if you're wondering why Wolverine's sticking... Oh, so I looked at it and actually went, I wonder why he's sticking his claws in the wall because that seems like an odd thing to do given we'd already seen him dealing with it earlier in the film yeah. back at the um, tipped over, uh, whatever it is. But yeah, it's just funny. Like, you know, See, I, can I imagine kinda, on the first day.
2: I kind of read the him sticking his claws in the wall and fighting against it. As Because when we see it initially, it's only affecting him and Caliban. So it's like it yep. feels like a smaller effect. Yeah. And then it yeah. feels like in the casino that it's like he's affecting the entire casino and who knows even farther out. So it must be a stronger effect. Thus he has to use his, his claws. Well,
0: yes, but it's not like if he didn't – if he stood up straight, he wasn't going to get blown backwards. Right. Do you know what I mean? Like if he stopped fighting it, he would freeze. Right. And so the – that logic in the film is just not quite yeah. understood by all and sundry at the point they're in the hallway. Um, and also, I, and I think I can say this, they also were like, it's day one, we want to get some claws out and stick some claws in yeah, some of stuff. Course. <laughs> it was like, it's a Wolverine film, you know? Yeah. we got an effect sequence, you should have some claws.
1: <laughs> I was going to say, so, you uh, know, this this whole conversation about the that effect and about the easy rig and then the other thing that I did uh, and when you were talking earlier, Mike, about the, the effect of uh, – or the shot where uh, he's running through the the forest yep. and he's sort of transitioning from one version of the visual effects version of him to the next version to the next version, that's the other thing that I really did like about – um, the effects overall in this movie was that they really, uh, adhered to that rule of like no impossible camera. I don't, I can't think of a shot mm, where they yeah. had an impossible <clears throat> camera in the film. And I thought that that was really, uh, uh a, an, an excellent choice. I always like when I see that in, um, any effects movie, I feel like it's nice to, to keep things grounded in a cinematic language that we can sort of follow and understand without, um, And and I think it helps the visual effects, too. It keeps everything really grounded in a way. Well, because
2: things happening in the movie are fantastical. So if if you want to ground the audience, we have to at least do it with grounded visual language, right?
0: Mm -hmm. I mean, that way Mm -hmm. everything
2: else... I mean, that's why Interstellar, why I liked it so much, is they almost never had impossible camera in space. It was either like a far view from a satellite or it was on the actual ship. It's
1: just really bad
0: writing. Here's some other <laughs> trivia that I picked up when I was researching the... Um, I'm leaving that alone. Uh, there's some other trivia that you might or might not have known. Um, and I didn't. Some of this is not firsthand. But um, you know in the opening sequence that Rising Sun did where Wolverine is like in his limo and they try jacking his wheels and he yeah. you know, gets up and... Which, by the way, I really loved. I mean, I just thought it was so well done. But anyway, it's really purple, that whole scene. Did you notice that? Like if you look at a still it's a really purple light that they're bathed in. Hmm. And it never occurred to me that this was, you know, something odd, but I was like wondering, well, the DOP did about six or eight Prince uh, music videos with Prince and Prince had just died and he just decided to bathe it in purple as a kind of personal oh, wow. nod to Prince. It's got nothing to do with the plot. He just thought it would look good and he just that's felt cool. bad about the purple one, which, you know, how much do we love the DOP for that? Yeah, anyway, that's cool. And the other piece of trivia that is more visual effects related which I thought was hysterical is um, so X-24 is coming down the stairs and uh, apparently Hugh Jackman sees that you know like a take of this obviously on the um, rushes at some point when they're back after shooting and he really likes the fact that they've only done his head on X-24 because the guy that's coming down the stairs is one of the stunt guys right Um, and there's nothing wrong with that. Like these stunt guys have been done in like tons of other films. But in this particular scene, he's kind of moving slowly. Anyway, this guy is got um, like Eddie has got, he's younger, right? And he's like because Hugh Jackman's not, it's not old but he's obviously not as young as he once was. And anyway, uh, so Eddie's younger, hence a bit more buffed and a bit a bit of bigger and actually has bigger arms, right? And Hugh's like kind of likes this because if you think about it from his point of view, he's, he looks buffed and he didn't have to do the workout to get there because yeah. it's his head on somebody else's. So they, they decided to leave it. So if you look really carefully, X-24 actually has slightly better biceps and stuff than Wolverine because <laughs> he's the younger, newly grown version. So that makes sense in the plot. And Hugh Jackman just liked the fact that he looked good with bigger arms. Just oh, thought. yeah, I mean, that dude was... <laughs> so I think Hugh Jackman's about the nicest guy working. Yeah, That dude
2: on. was jacked. And I was like, yeah. I was like, man, like, he really buffed it up for that one, you know. Uh, I mean he gets pretty I mean, big anyway, even... but did you I posted on Facebook earlier, Hugh Jackman posted on Facebook an ADR session from
0: Isn't that oh, insane? Yeah,
2: from the Woods sequence, which makes a lot more sense now that I realize that there's a lot of more of digital um versions of him that you wouldn't have that sound. But it uh it's amazing to see him do the uh all the
0: grunting and groaning and yelling and the thing and then be like,
2: Oh, hey, what's up?
0: You know, to the camera. I'll give you one final piece of trivia that's just super geeky beyond geeky. So in the scene at the end, as you probably remember, um the other kids do some superhero power stuff, even though they won't fight, they do a little bit yeah. to um you know, it's sort of self-defense. Okay, do you remember there's a girl who pulls up pine cone yeah. and just Okay, so that girl, that girl sitting on the ground that does the thing with the pine cones, is Rissa. She is the stunt double or one of the two um. main stunt doubles for Laura. And so here's what happens. The stunt guys do stunt viz to show the director some cool ideas that they've got. And Rissa's is part of the stunt team, right? So she is so trying hard to commit to make the stunt viz look good. And they just have her standing in, by the way, for um, for Laura because she's the only small sort of woman in the stunt team. right? right. So they like, yeah, can you stand in and play Laura? Now they totally know when they're doing the stunt viz that Laura... Probably won't be there because I'll have the actress there or whatever, but doesn't matter. This actress slash stunt woman is so committed to the stunt viz that the director's like, man, we've got to give this girl an actual role on screen where we can see her face because she's like such, you know, like a dedicated kind of actress. And so they then took the stunt woman who was obviously already going to be in the film and continued to be in the film and then also made her one of the characters that escapes and one of the characters that uh, runs to Canada. So that's a nice uh, kind of nod. So if you ever get that chance to do something, do it a hundred percent and you never know, you'll get noticed and someone will appreciate it. Yeah. And then you get a, um, so she got dual screen credits. That's cool. Yeah. The, uh, the, the work that those girls had to do is pretty serious as well as you um, yeah. can imagine from just watching. So, but yeah, and I like that. Um, director sounds like a nice guy. I haven't even met him, but he sounds like a nice guy. So yeah. You know, I was going to
1: gonna uh, say, I didn't, I was just looking to see what other films he'd made and, uh, i i i will say while i wasn't a huge fan of this movie i was a huge fan of his 2007 remake of 310 to yuma i don't know if any of you guys have seen oh
2: yeah i haven't seen the whole thing but it's good russell crowe
1: and christian bale Mm. it's it's pretty great
0: yeah i mean if you like a western yeah (laughs) if you like a western i actually liked night and day quite frankly no one else seemed to oh we Um, talked
2: about that yeah i slept through that
0: movie yeah, but anyway. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But of course, uh, the big one I thought you were going to go for is walk the line, which is sort of connects up with why they uh, had such a great time putting the um, Johnny Cash song under the oh, trailer yeah. for. Um,
1: it's hard to watch that after watching the uh, what's the the spoof of that with the oh yeah uh, Dewey Cox, Hard yeah. yeah 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 <laughs> Walk Hard. I
2: mean, he did <laughs> Copland in 1997. That's not a bad movie.
1: Oh, Copland's really yeah. good. Yeah, with Stallone. Stallone. Yeah.
0: It's just, yeah. it's just so hard to take Stallone too seriously. But yes, oh, he's I not mean, that though. No, I know, I know. But you know, still I just. And,
2: and what about like Stallone in like Fist and like you know he's, and uh yeah. what was the soccer movie <laughs> he did with Pele? Oh yeah, Victory. Yeah, Victory. Yeah. That's a good Michael Caine. Yeah, come on, man. Don't don't mess with Sly. Mm. Sly wrote wrote and directed um, and starred in Rocky, man. Come on.
0: No, no, I know. I totally give him points for that. But yes, he makes ridiculous movies
2: at other times. But then he goes on
0: (laughs) to make 18 subsequent, you know, sort of films about Rocky. Yeah. (laughs) Rocky, son of Rocky, Rocky, Rocky 6, Rocky 7, Rocky 8. Rocky Rocky, Road. Rocky 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 and Bullwinkle. Yeah. I mean, it's hard, (laughs) right? Like, I, you know. But yeah. He kind of... I don't know. Like, there are some actors that you just feel like later in their career, they take on a whole new dimension. Um, and he just, you know. He didn't. Yeah. <laughs> he just didn't. <laughs> he stayed one, well. He went for the
2: expendables. Dimension. He yeah. went that route.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, I, uh, was there any other sequences that you guys particularly liked? We have, I think, discussed, we haven't really discussed uh, some of the stuff that happened before they headed out on the road trip. I mean, I think
2: um, all the but, fight um, scenes, like the fight scenes with Laura, I think we're, I mean, her, the viciousness that they, that they allow her character to portray, especially with secret, you know, the special things like the foot claw and, uh, you know, and, Mm -hmm. and then Xavier's comment about, well, she's a woman, she needs the foot claw, you know, for defense. And he gives the whole thing about the tigress, like, or the lioness or whatever. Like, I thought, that was really good, but when she's just screaming and and like taking dudes down, I I I just like that they went that route, and the studio allowed them to to go that to go with something so kind of seemingly contradictory. Because uh, it's it's a risk to to take like a nine year old girl and say she's going to be as vicious or better than the lead superhero.
0: Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, they've been proven right though. Yeah, course, no, I mean, because it's- Because the opening weekend was
2: like spectacular. Yeah, and you point a camera at that girl's face and and it's everything. I mean, when that girl, when they cast her, they must have just, I mean, it must have been a revelation to just like have her walk in and be like, oh my God, because like you just- Actually,
0: Chaz Jarrett, the visual effects supervisor told me what they did. They, they didn't have her walk in. She was in Spain. She's bilingual. Yeah. And her parents sent a video over and the video was shot on an iPhone, I think. And it's 15 minutes of the camera pretty much locked off. It's not moving hardly at all. And for 15 minutes, she just walks quietly around their living room and kind of climbs on a few things like climbs up the bookcase and kind of stares down the camera as this kind of feral yeah. um, kind of presence. And they, this is Chad speaking. He said like the second that they saw this, they were like, oh, my God, she's just perfect for the role because she just had such presence on screen. And this is like shot yeah. on an iPhone. Um and, uh, yeah, and so that's how she got the role. And I I totally agree. I was so glad she wasn't blonde and Brady Bunch pretty, you know what yeah. I mean? Like I think she was pretty, but I just don't think she – just so glad she had kind of a
1: – She looked know. a little bit like a young uh, Jean Grey too, which I thought was kind of cool. That's what yeah. I was thinking. They were going to have ah. some thing that touched back on that and – uh, but Actually, I was going to say too about what you were saying, Jason, about the the violence, so like with her and the way that she fought. I thought was great. It reminded me a little bit. I don't know if you if you guys ever saw that um, that film, Hannah. Oh yeah, yeah, it was, and it which was about a you know a, a a daughter of a assassin or whatever who's trained as this like killing machine, and, and that movie's sort of similar in that it's this young, you know, sort of innocent, you know, and sweet looking. Uh, you know, female character who is this like, you know, has this these volcanic eruptions of extreme violence. and um, But I thought that that worked really well in this film. I thought that was one of the most interesting aspects of it, for sure. Sorry, you were yeah, going to say something, reference. Mike, I cut you off.
0: Oh, no, no, it uh, wasn't important. Uh, yeah. But yeah, I, I totally agree, that's a great reference.
2: And all the um, claw and- all the effects was good. Like there wasn't any, like it all worked really nicely. It all felt like it was there. Um, yeah. I like that she had two cars instead of three, you know. <laughs>
0: uh, yeah. The other company we haven't mentioned is Soho VFX. They did the um, a bunch of stuff, including uh, the desert escape, you know, in the limo. And there's two things I want to draw your attention to there. Firstly, I personally loved, and my daughter seeing the film with me, she thought it was great, is that they go to run at the first yeah. fence and they don't get through. Oh, yeah. and. And uh, the director apparently was like adamant that they weren't going to break through because he described it would be like an A-team moment. You yeah. know, and he just didn't want that. Well, so, and then uh, the
2: fence becomes a weapon brilliant. as they back up yeah. to take out yeah, the deeds on the kind of, motorcycle so, and stuff.
0: But, but did you realize that when they are escaping, that the bikes that are chasing them, that's all CG, the train, and that's all CG? The train is CG? Like, I mean, I yeah, assume it would VFX be at all, a certain yeah.
2: point uh, for safety reasons, but I assumed, I think I assumed the opposite that the cars would be fake and the train would be real, but I guess it probably would be impossible to coordinate a train that long and then do its second take.
1: (laughs) Yeah. That was a great sequence. And that sequence too was, I thought a standout action sequence in the film. And there were shades of, uh, uh, Fury road in there for sure. It's, there was a lot of that same kind of flavor in terms of the staging of the action. And then, you know, these vehicles with these sort of, you know, heavy guns on them and stuff. It was, that was a great sequence. It's so cool that there was so much um, visual effects in there. I didn't, I I wouldn't even have thought of it. I know when you saw the really long train, the VFX and then the sort of driverless trucks too. Yeah.
0: The driverless trucks. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, just on the Fury Road reference, apparently, and I don't know if anyone read this, I'm sure I read somewhere that they're thinking of actually releasing a black and white print of um, Logan. Did you read oh, that? Oh, no.
1: I did see Along that the in chrome. The, I saw that in the IMDb page. The chrome version of... So, the chrome version of... Yeah, the black yeah. and chrome. 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 <laughs> <laughs> that would be cool. Um, that would be neat yeah. to see, I think. I'd actually... I'd be tempted to watch... a. The movie again in, <laughs> in that form factor. I don't know that. I don't know that it would be. Um,
0: that it, it would, would be. Matt, it would be great. Would it be that the lit? That's what you're looking though. for, right? Well, that's the thing. The well, the I just wonder is, if it yeah. would.
1: Would it be? Would it be lit in such a way that it would function as well? Like, because I, I don't know that it says, Maybe it would. I don't know. I just. I don't a remember thinking, thinking It's. Film. But it doesn't have that kind of like high contrast shadows like that sort of noir well, lighting like that you would great think would the look. Greatest lost dark which you can absolutely watch in black and white and it's stunning. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I mean I think it Good doesn't quite have that same that same look, but but maybe they could do a little, you know, they could compress it a little bit. Yeah, I mean some, they
2: wouldn't just they would certainly some do a nice full black shadows and white. grade do it. it I would bet. Yeah.
1: Yeah. That'd be cool to see. I mean, I think that would make it really interesting for sure.
0: Yeah. Hey, maybe you guys can fill me in. I was unaware of this. I knew it existed because I'd seen it when they released it. But I was talking to the – and this is, a, again, a rat hole on a side and I apologise. But I was talking to the guys on uh, – I'm going to say Batman the movie. Anyway, it was something like that. Obviously it absolutely wasn't this film. And they were using um, – oh, no, I know what it was. It was a, um, an Academy nominee one, um, the Hacksaw Ridge yeah. one, that one, yeah. Mm-hmm. And – uh, they were using the um, grading nodes from the um, the desk in the Nuke comp, right? And it seems like this is like a trend more and more. Like, you know, there's one thing to put a lot, but it's actually you get a grading node um, and it is the actual huh. um, essentially software version in Nuke. And so you get just a really accurate... Have you guys ever used any of that?
2: No, but that reminds yeah. me of the whole pipeline that Stu set up back for this was it the spirit not the spirit was spirit uh when he he set up that whole thing i think the what he called it the vault or something like that where he would send grades as packages to all the vfx houses so that everyone would be working under the same look and yep. everything
0: yeah that was what film was that for it's that was spirit
2: like, um, right? or my
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. I was gonna say, yeah, no, it's right. I remember thinking you have three hundred, yeah. and that wasn't correct.
2: Um, but um, yeah, I mean, it makes sense. It seems like a smart thing yeah. to do. Yeah, I mean, why not? Everybody should be working from the yeah, same top of the pyramid. You'd think.
0: Yeah, I remember when they released that. It's not on the Da Vinci. I'm thinking of it's the um, the other one. You base know, light. Um, uh, base yeah. light. Yeah, and so you get a base light node in your Nuke setup, and uh, it facilitates you doing really good work um yeah i think as an obviously- effects
1: from an effects artist standpoint i would think i would love to get you know graded uh footage that had the look that they were going for rather than having all my effects graded after the fact like there's so many times where i i feel like i've seen projects where the work looks one way in house and then the final grade you know i haven't seen it as much lately but i've seen it uh definitely firsthand on a couple projects where the grade really pushes the effects in a whole nother world that was sort of never what you thought you were going for, which in the end is, you know, I guess that's the director's prerogative, but uh, it would be kind of cool to be uh, in the mix on some of that stuff. Well, certainly. You, cool. So you know where your,
2: where your stuff's going to fall, you know, or your comps yeah. and everything you're going to break apart because they go to something crazy on, on a uh, section that just throws everything
1: off. Well, it seems like it'd be a really smart way to work. It's just, I I just haven't seen that very often. So if they did that, I think that's really cool. So it's very uh, forward thinking.
0: I have to say, I didn't like the visual effects in the first Wolverine, the one where um, he was against Deadpool and it was ended up on top of a nuclear, whatever it was, round thing. And Xavier walked in at the end and it just all felt like it wasn't up to scratch. Like this film totally felt like it was up to scratch it's clearly a smaller budget than one that destroys new york or whatever but at no point did it feel like it was being small or restricted or that's all we can afford do you know what i mean like well it was it it all
2: played played well for me properly like you know yeah you know there's there's a whole long section of him driving a limousine like you don't need visual effects for that you know what i mean like maybe green screen but you know uh
0: it's yeah, better, I mean, there was 1,100 visual effects shots in the film, but it just didn't, I don't know, the story that it was telling, it just all felt like it fitted and it was appropriate. It didn't feel like, you know, like I saw the film Fences and while I liked the acting in it enormously, it just felt like I was watching a right. stage show. Well, yeah, and it
1: is it, adapted from yeah. stage play, right?
0: Yeah, no, totally. But, I mean, there's been some great stuff adapted from stage plays that when felt very really good. Ross. This felt inc- <laughs> For example. This felt incredibly theatrically um, grounded in its visual language in a way yeah. that just didn't take advantage. It was like having actors sitting on a stage reading a script, and you're like, "Well, I understand it's adapted from a book, but we can do a lot more when you sure. put the books down." And yeah. um, didn't so take though,
1: advantage of this form format of cinema in a way. Yeah, yeah,
0: exactly. And so, cinematically, it just felt kind of like it was um, not exercising those muscles. And I think it would have been a better film. It would have been a different film. I mean, what, what am I to say? Like it was nominated for Best Picture, right? But anyway, <laughs> in this film, like, you know, you don't get that sort of sense that like it could have been more if they'd had more money or, you know, it would have been good that no. they were sort of cheating because you couldn't see that kind of thing. Um, it's under $100 million, I believe, the budget. And, you know, for a major franchise effects film, you know, of this nature, you could easily imagine them going 150, you know, 50% more on top than they actually did, so money well it's spent doing gangbusters
1: yeah. too at the box office at least until this weekend Kong? when uh, yeah. skull island oh, yeah. comes out
0: yeah i have seen that i just can't talk about it yet Well, <laughs> but we can do a vfx show about I it when it comes so. out i would i i would say the
1: advanced advanced word of mouth in my neighborhood is good in that all my my guy friends that i work with uh, ranging in age from uh, you know, probably in their uh, late 30s to some in their uh, late 50s. uh, (laughs) All their wives want to go see uh, Skull Island. I'm assuming that's because, uh, what's his nuts, Uh, Tom, uh, Loki, uh, Hiddleston. Tom Hiddleston. Uh, Bottom or Hiddleston. Uh, But but I've heard people say that they they actually want to go see it because it looks like a ridiculous... big budget monster yeah. movie and i think that we need we need more of those it's like a 70s i mean it's set in the 70s too i guess but it so I like, hopefully that'll be a i a like, that
2: we, are, <laughs> corn, I like that we are corn i like that we're trending towards as many silhouette sunset shots as possible in every movie like like uh todd's
0: t- okay we, we can't discuss we can't discuss i know but i'm just yet, talking about the trailer they showed a great it, trailer
2: but, before for okay. logan so it's relevant but there's yeah, that's true there's uh, you know i think todd might have kicked it off with his tie fighter shot in uh episode seven but the uh there's like in the trailer mm. there's four shots of kong head to toe in the sun in this in the giant sunset <laughs> behind them and i'm all about it i'm all for it
0: You're like 400 yeah.
2: in the film <laughs> that's fine make the whole movie like if terrence malick um, made a monster movie it would all be at magic hour with a giant sun behind a 200 foot Kong and I'm, and I'm fine with that
0: okay well let me just say this that maybe just say this that it is um, a film I'm going to look forward to talking about Great. enormously there's some other films coming out that we're uh, looking forward to enormously uh, but that's certainly like one of the first uh, cabs off the rank um, certain uh, sort of Japanese sci-fi oh, yeah. coming Ghost at the in end the of the March looks pretty wicked um and i haven't seen that yet so i'm not under any ndas or a link but that just looks like it could be a really good one for the vfx show if there are other things that you'd like us to talk about here on the vfx show drop us a line um you can either email me mike s at com, or put a uh, comment on twitter or whatever and we're keen to hear it guys thanks so much for taking time out to talk about this film um as i said i loved it to death and matt as always you've you know, um, how can I put this? Made the show interesting by taking a perverse and otherwise unreasonable <laughs> well, what, position and arguing it intelligently.
1: I said, I said, uh, I said Jason and I were goofing on each other, and I said, I told him, I said, oh well, maybe this can be your. Uh, I, I said this could be Jason's um, Dark Knight. <laughs> and what, what did you I say said, in no, response, Jason? This is going to be your Scott gonna. Pilgrim. <laughs> <laughs> the forever dividing the line. I'll never of die. The VFX show. Well, it's good. We, we've got another one that we can add to the mix now. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Though I, I secretly believe you really like The Dark Knight and you just pretend like you don't because you get a rise out of me. I, to, to my dying day, I just don't believe mm. that you don't think that's a magnificent film. Believe what you must. <laughs> okay. Mr, Mr. Matt Wallen, where can people find you on the internets, down the pipes? Oh, yeah.
1: You can, you can find me... Uh, on Twitter at Matt Wallen or on my website which is mattwallen.com.
0: Excellent. And Jason,
2: uh same um, on the twitters, Jason Diamond, my company with my brother the Diamond Bros or my VR company Super Sphere.
0: Excellent. So um uh, I'm obviously Mike Seymour on uh, Twitter and uh, I say obviously it's probably not obvious but you know <laughs> if you know me you do. This. And then uh, also we have the at VFX show on Twitter, of course, we're uh, FX Guide and FX Guide's where we've got that story. Um, we talked to Visual Effects Supervisor and the, the companies behind uh, the uh, Logan film and it goes into a lot more depth about what had to happen to cause the heads to actually work and put on the stunt uh, bodies doubles. And I'm going to just repeat it here on the show but it's actually worth the read. I think I found it really illuminating um, hearing about some of the details of that stuff and uh, it's great that people like the Visual Effects Supervisor in this film... And the companies like Imageworks and stuff, uh, Image Engine are really willing to uh, sit down and go through that stuff with us. Because only by sharing, of course, does the uh, collective pool of knowledge increase and people are able to uh, you know, build on each other's work. So uh, hats off to Image Engine, to Rising Sun and to all the other people involved in the film. Uh, thank you guys so much for being with us. Um, I will now return to my Empire of Dirt. I'm Mike Seymour. Thanks so much, guys. See you.
1: If you have any questions or comments, please email us at vfx Copyright Ethics Guide, LLC.